Bless you. If you'll uh, turn to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, that's on page 2 in your pew Bible. Um, remember, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give one to you, but feel free to use the one in front of you. This morning, we're just looking at Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Uh, as you're able, if you'll please stand for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask now by your Holy Spirit that you would uh, set this time apart, uh, draw us close to you, and give us understanding. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever used those words, when things slow down, I'm going to blank? Uh, you know, it's kind of like chasing a rainbow, trying to get to the end of it. You just, you just never can get there. Uh, life never seems to slow down. Wouldn't it be nice if God had written into creation one day a week in which we are able to slow down? Well, I'm glad you asked because He did. God has set apart the Lord's Day, the Sabbath, specifically for a day of worship and rest. While in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was highly regulated, we know that it is still in force because it's in the Big Ten. It's, a ten, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, not only that, but it was in force even before the Ten Commandments were given. It's what's called a creation ordinance. A creation ordinance is something that God made when He made the world. It's like marriage. Marriage may have been regulated later by the Ten Commandments or the, the moral law of God, uh, but it had always been in place because God made it as part of the fabric of what life is meant to be like. So often we see the Lord's Day as a burden, as something that, well, you've got to go to church. Uh, and it just kind of crimps my style, right? It keeps me from doing that which I really want to do. Or I've got to give the preacher you know, an hour from 10 to 11, hour and five minutes, to be honest, right? Uh, and, then, and then I can actually get on to what the weekend's really about. That's how we think of it. But, but really, as we talked with the kids about gifts, the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, is a wonderful gift that God has given to us. Because it, it, it addresses a deep need that we have of physical and spiritual rest and renewal as we seek Him on the Lord's Day. So, we're talking about the Lord's Day today. We're going to look at it in four different parts. Uh, first, we're going to look at the fact that God rested. What, did, what does that even mean? Second, that we should rest. Third, that there is spiritual rest in Christ. And fourth, we'll talk about the eternal rest we have in heaven. 
So, verse 1 picks up with this verse. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Now, here's the thing. Did you know that the, that the verses and the chapters, the numbers, that those weren't original to the writing of the Word of God? That they were added much later in the medieval period. And it's, it's fantastic to have. Can you imagine trying to find things without those things? Uh, but the divisions are not inspired. They're helpful, but they're not inspired. This is one of those places where uh, the division missed the mark. This verse should be the last verse of chapter 1. Chapter 1 begins with, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. How should it end? Well, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. These are bookends. These are bookends of what God did in chapter 1 when He created all things in days 1 through 6 of creation. So we really pick up with verse 2, which tells us about a very special day, the seventh day. We read there, And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. Notice that we have this... That sounded redundant, didn't it? We basically just read, it sounds like, the same thing twice. You're going to see this repetition of seventh day three or four times in these three short verses. And anytime you see something like that repeated in Scripture, remember Hebrew doesn't have exclamation points. And so you repeat things to highlight its importance. It's kind of like when we get to Isaiah chapter 6, and we see holy, 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 right? He's thrice holy. He's not just holy, he's super-duper holy. And so the, the, the seventh day is being highlighted here in ways that the other six days have not. So what does it mean that God rested? What does it mean that God rested? Was it because He got tuckered out? Was it because the all-powerful God needed a breather after He spoke all things into existence? Did the creation of Saturn or the Andromeda galaxy especially tax him? No, of course not. He's ceasing not from fatigue, but rather completion. He was done. He had finished all that he had planned to do. It's like when you were building something in the woodshed or, or painting a picture. When you finish, you cease. You rest from your labor. So God ceased His creation work. Does that mean that God is no longer working? This is an important point. Does this mean if God rested, does this mean God no, is no longer at work? And the answer to that, of course, is no. In fact, if you're a believer in Christ, you can point at things in your life and say this was the work of God. Right? He, he worked faith into your heart. He worked repentance into your heart. Right? We, we read in Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Who's doing the work? And God is. He's, he's weaving that tapestry of all of history by His providence for those who are called according to His purpose. We can see how He has answered prayer. Have you seen prayer answered in your life? I know I have. Perhaps even today. God is greatly at work. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 17. My Father is working. Well, there's your answer. Is He at work? My Father is working until now, and I am working. God is a sovereign King, and, and having made creation, He has sat down upon His throne and now 
rules over it. And there's this day that commemorates, that marks the completion of what He has done. We do this too, don't we? We, we have days that are special to us that commemorate things. July 4th, the birth of our nation, Memorial Day. Uh, you know, it was originally to remember the war dead from the Civil War. Labor Day, because we don't like to work. Uh, day 7 was a really important day. Why? Because every other day in history, all six of them, had been work days. And now something new. Something new that did not include the creation of something else. And so God set it aside as a sort of holiday. It's much more than that. But it's a holiday that would happen every week. We'll read this in verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. We learn a couple things here from verse 3. The first is that He blessed the seventh day. He blessed the seventh day. You know, we've seen this word, bless, uh, already in Genesis a few times. He blesses the fish and the birds, and then He blesses Adam and Eve. It says, multiply, fill the earth. But now He blesses something else. He blesses a day. What, what does this mean? Well, we use the word bless all the time, don't we? I said it a few minutes ago when I said bless you. Uh, you know, that was a kind thing to say, because why do we even say that? It's just, it's just convention. Or, or bless his heart, right? Now, we actually do mean something when we, when we, use, when we use it that way. I'll bless his heart, right? But usually, this is a word we just kind of throw around. But God doesn't throw this word around. What he did when he blessed it, it was actually an action, not just a statement. Something happened to the seventh day. He made it fruitful and beneficial in ways that the other six days were not. Let me put it this way. Do you know what a petri dish is? You know what I'm talking about? You know, when you're growing bacteria? Maybe you did it in high school. And you take a petri dish, and it has that gunk at the bottom that, that causes the bacteria to grow really well. Now, bacteria will grow on the countertop, but it'll grow really well with all those nutrients. That's kind of how the Sabbath works. We can worship and get rest on other days. But God has especially blessed the Sabbath with what is needed to make it very fruitful for rest and for worship. It's like a petri dish for rest and worship. So he blessed it and then he set it apart. What does it mean to, or he, excuse me, the, the ESV says made it holy. He made it holy. What does it mean to make something holy? It means to sanctify, to consecrate, right? It, it means, what does that mean? It means to set apart. Uh, it's kind of like what you do, I'm a highlighter when I'm reading, or an underliner. Uh, what am I doing when I'm, when I'm highlighting? I'm setting that text apart from the rest of it. It's different. It's, I want to focus in on that thing. That's kind of what God has done with the Lord's Day. He has highlighted this day. It is different from the rest. You know, there isn't much of a difference between Tuesday and Wednesday. But there is a difference between the Lord's Day and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Every other day. It is a special day. So how does this apply to us? What's the modern day application? Point one, 
is that God ceased or rested from His labors. Two, we should rest and worship. God commands us to do what He did on the seventh day, and that is to cease from our normal labor. Even if we enjoy it. If you have a job that you enjoy, praise God. I'm, so, I'm, I'm happy for you. So many people don't. But even if we enjoy it, we are to cease from our normal vocation. He set aside the Sabbath as a day of rest and for worship. And He created this rhythm on the seventh day. It is part of creation. And then He enshrined it later in the Ten Commandments, around the year 1440 B.C. Um, we read this in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. That's that same mentality. He, set, he, he made it holy, and now we are to remember it so that we might keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Rest is a good thing. I'm struck with the fact that we have more free time than we ever have in history. And we have so little rest. As a culture, we don't rest well. Rest is different than laziness. Rest is, is something that, that brings renewal. Some people see rest as something that is a necessary evil. The thing that you have to do so you don't have a heart attack by age 40. But rest is not just something that is helpful. Rest is good. God has written this into creation. Uh, if, you, if you never let a field lay fallow, uh, you will get lower and lower yields. You have to give soil a break in order for it to be productive. According to our resident expert and chairman of our diaconate, Brad Miller, uh, disease and pests will grow and you won't be able to make a crop at all. God's made us the same way. We need rest. We need to cease from our labors. You're actually more productive when you work rest into your schedule. So, are you getting rest on the Sabbath? Are you ceasing from your labor? Or do you treat Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, just like Saturday? Rather than being a burden, the Pharisees wanted to make it a burden in Jesus' day. They had all sorts of rules. You can only walk so many steps. And, you know, and Orthodox Jews now still have elevators that, that, don't, that just automatically go on different floors. Did you know this? Because it's work to press a button. Uh, that's taking things a little far. Uh, rather than being a burden, Jesus says in Mark 2, And He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. Some things have to be done on the Sabbath, right? Deeds of mercy and necessity. We have a, a police officer here. Uh, that's, a, that's one of those things that has to be done. 
Uh, the power company has to keep the lights on. Police officers must be ready to respond. And by mercy, doctors and nurses and first responders must work. Someone's got to preach on Sunday. Uh, someone's got to open up the church or, or teach Sunday school. But Sunday's also a great day for doing deeds of mercy, of resting, and then looking for ways to do ministry. Are, are there widows on your street or in the church who would benefit from a visit? Or someone who is ill that could take a call. or You could get a, a box of cupcakes from Walmart uh, and pass them off as homemade and, and take, them to folks that, <laughs> take them to folks that just need a visit. Um, these, are, these, are, these are great things to do. And when we cease from our labors on, the, on Sundays, we have time to do those things. Well, rest and worship. Now, under the Old Covenant, under the law of Moses, before Christ came, the Sabbath was observed on the seventh day, on Saturday. So how do we get to Sunday? You know, Sunday is the first day of the week. It's not, it's not the seventh day. So how does, how does that work? Well, since the resurrection of Christ, and now that we're in the New Covenant, it's observed on Sunday. Why? Because Jesus was raised on Sunday. There's a new creation new creation that He has created in us, and He is, that you have this new thing going on in God's people, the outpouring of the Spirit. And this was the habit, this was the practice of believers from the earliest of days. Uh, we read this in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread. That's not talking about breakfast. That's talking about the Lord's Supper. They had gathered on the first day of the week. So we mark the Lord's Day, the Sabbath, on Sunday. We need it for rest and we need it for worship. God has worked into the rhythms of human life this need for spiritual renewal, which primarily comes, primarily comes through gathering as God's people for worship. Your private devotions are so important. Right? Do those. Seek the Lord daily. But you know, the thing that God especially blesses for spiritual renewal, for growth in His grace, for the nourishing of our faith, is gathering together as God's people. That where two or three are gathered in Christ's name, He is present with us in a very special way. You know, we talk about, I remember as a snotty-nosed seminarian, I once told uh, my pastor that you can't call the church the Lord's house. You know, because that's, that's the temple, the Old Testament, right? I mean, that, you know, that, that's you call that. And he was very patient with me. He said, Parker, Parker, Parker. It's the Lord's house because when God's people gather, He is there in a special way. Right? It's not the building that makes us God's house. We could be meeting outside and we'd be meeting in God's house. Right? Something happens when we come together. What better way to start the week than to spend it with God's people as we rejoice in what God has done for us? I need to be reminded. Don't you? I need to hear the word. I need to spend time with you. That we might remind each other and spur each other on for good works and encourage one another. We're church family and families get together. And we have this thing that, that we do on Sunday mornings where we get together and we enter into the presence of God together. In the name of Jesus together, by the power of the Holy Spirit together, 
as we celebrate and worship Christ for what He has done for us. That in Christ, our, our old sins have been wiped away. Don't you need to be reminded of that sometimes? Maybe every day? Or that in Christ, He has removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Or that in Christ, we are new creations and our past is gone. That in Christ, we have new life and the Holy Spirit. That in, in Christ, we are heading towards a day that is bright and fair. The day of, true, of our true rest of when Christ comes again. We need that reminder weekly. And we need to come together that God would grow us in His grace and give us the strength for the week ahead. We celebrate these things. We, we return thanks to God. We glorify His name for what He has done. You know, one of the things that happens when we don't set aside Sunday as a day of rest is that worship gets crowded out. Worship gets crowded out. And it can get crowded out by all sorts of things. You get crowded out by sports, by school, by travel, by chasing a dollar. It's so easy for Sunday to get crowded out. And sometimes, even when it's not crowded out by something physical going on, our thoughts crowd out any ability to worship. Have you done that before? I find that it's so important that I prepare my heart to come into the Lord's house to worship. Um, Because otherwise when I'm in the pews, it's halfway through the service that I've finally gotten my heart to quiet down. But thinking through what we're going to do, and one of the reasons we send the bulletin out, uh, it's announcements are helpful to have, but, but use the bulletin as part of your devotional on Friday or Saturday, or even Sunday morning when you get up in the morning. Look over the sermon text. Uh, ask the Lord to, to bless the pastor and bless your Sunday school teachers uh, and to bless you as you sit under the preaching of God's Word. So let me ask you, how are you and your family doing prioritizing the Lord's Day in its rhythms of worship and rest? Are there things you need to back away from in order to make that happen? What example are you setting for your children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren in your actions, and what does it communicate about the importance of gathering as God's people? Are there things that you need to change on Saturday nights so you don't fall asleep during the sermon. It's hard enough to stay awake during my sermons. Uh, you know, Jimmy likes to say the best sleep he gets is between 10, 30, and 11 every Sunday morning. <laughs> Doesn't have to take an Ambien for that. <laughs> Love you, Jimmy. Um, all right, one, God ceased from his labors. Two, so should we. Third, we have spiritual rest in Christ. Hebrews 4 makes the connection between the Sabbath and the rest we have in Christ. The truest sense of rest comes from trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. St. Augustine, the church father, I think he was 4th century, said, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Read that again. Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. We've been made in the image of God. And until you seek Jesus, you will not find satisfaction for your soul. You will not find rest. You'll be restless until the day you die. And then comes the judgment. But Christ offers rest now. 
that you might cease from your labors trying to save yourself, that you might cease from your self-salvation projects. You cannot keep the law of God in order to be saved. It doesn't work. The law of God shows us our sin. When we see our sin, it causes us to run to the one, the only one, who can give us rest. Are you weary? Are you weary from trying to stay so busy so you don't have to deal with your mess? Are you burdened from your past? Are you weary because you know you need to do business with Jesus, but you haven't? He invites those who are weary. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, he says in Matthew 11, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the midst of this crazy world, in the midst of the pressures of family, in the midst of pressures of taking care of loved ones, of sickness, of job, of you name it, there is a place of rest. And His name is Jesus. If you aren't a Christian, stop trying to save yourself. It won't work. Instead, rest in Jesus. If you are a believer, find your rest again in Christ. That's one of the reasons we come together as God's people. We need to be reminded, oh yeah, that's right, I haven't been resting in Jesus this week. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. We are forgetful people. I know I am. Finally, finally, there is a rest that awaits us. Hebrews 4, verse 9, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. We have partial rest now. We have rest in Christ. But it's not a full rest. Because we are still fighting with our sin. We're still facing temptation. We live in a world that is just a mess. right? But there is a day of full and eternal rest in Christ. The true Sabbath. The true promised land. And it will be an eternal day, bright and fair, one of rest and worship. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joys shall never end. I'll fly away. Let's pray. Father, we yearn for that day of eternal rest. Help us then, O Lord, to strive to enter that rest as we rest upon uh, the finished work of Jesus. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.